Oh Lord, help us to be ready for You. Ready to remember Your mercy. Ready to remember Your love. Guide us by Your Holy Spirit and grant us wisdom and understanding. That as the Scriptures are read and Your Word proclaimed, may we be ready to listen during this season of Lent. And let God's people say, Amen. Our first reading is from Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, and chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Our next reading is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread all because all have sinned. Sin was indeed in the world before the law, but sin is not reckoned when there is no law. Yet doth exercise dominion from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift and the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound for the many. And the free gift is not like the effect of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brings justification. If because of the one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Our last reading for the day comes from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. 
And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God. So our series for Lent is about being ready. And today we talk about being ready for temptation. And I think an important part of it is understanding the contrast between the two lessons for today and understanding exactly what we are being tempted with. In Genesis, the temptation is there because there is the tree with the fruit that you're not supposed to eat. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it's easy to see why somebody would think that would be a good thing to eat. Because it's hard not to say, oh, well, knowing what's good and knowing what's evil, that seems like something that we would have to know if we were going to do good. Thing is, they were supposed to simply trust that God would let them know what was good and what was evil and keep them from it if they just trusted that if they followed him, they would be fine. And so the big thing that we get is the idea of trying to take on the role of God. If God knows what's good and what's evil, if we know, then we'll be more like God. It'll put us on equal footing. And we will have something that only God is supposed to have, and that'll make us more like God. And we see the same thing in the temptation in Matthew. That all the things that are being offered up are things that normally wouldn't happen. And the temptation is, forsake your humanity so that you can be in charge. One fails the test, the other succeeds. One brings sin and death, the other sets us free from them. But understanding them is important if we are going to be ready to face temptation of our own. In Genesis, it's interesting because they want the knowledge. They want to know so that they can do the right thing on their own, so that they can guide their own lives and be able to resist evil and do good. And it's interesting, the first thing they do when they gain this knowledge, this wonderful thing that was going to let them do so much, and the first thing they do is realize they're naked, so they try to hide themselves. trying to do something great, and the first thing they discover is shame. All because they wanted to have something that wasn't meant for them. We see the flip side of this and the temptation in Matthew. And I'm very much reminded of Job in both of these situations because nobody is ever forced to do anything and nobody ever does anything besides make a decision about what they are going to do 
and their relationship to God. In Job, everything is about Job's response. In Genesis, everything is about Adam and Eve's response. And everything in this narrative in Matthew is about Christ's response. And the first one is, he's hungry. And it's important that we recognize what the temptation actually is. The temptation isn't to eat. If the temptation was, here, I brought you food, then it may have just been, oh, well, thank you for the gift. But that's not the temptation. The temptation is, I hear you're hungry, and I know you're capable. If you're so hungry, turn these stones into bread. Make yourself a feast. What's to stop you? And that's a tough question at first. We know Jesus can turn water into wine. Jesus can perform miracles. So what would stop him from turning stones into bread? Well, if we remember why Jesus does the things he does, his miracles are to glorify God. To act as a signpost to others to say, here is God's glory. This is what God has made possible. But who's there to see him change stones into bread? No one. He'd be doing it simply for self. He'd be doing it for selfish desire, not to serve God. He'd be forsaking his humanity to try to take on the impossible and do what we should only trust God to do. And so he rejects it by quoting Scripture back. One does not live by bread alone. If he forsakes his mission, he gives up his humanity. If he forsakes it, he gives up on the claim that he is not there for himself, but there to serve. And so we get the next temptation. Being taken up to the temple. Jump and God will save you. The temptation here is the idea that we can force God's hand. It's not tempting fate. It's not saying, oh, well, find out if God actually loves you. It's the idea that we can force God to do something. If you jump, God promised he'd keep you so you can force God to save you. And if you can force God to do that, then you at least must be equals, if not better. And so we get the proper response. Do not put God to the test. Don't try to force his hand just to find out and try to play games with God's love. We can't force God to do anything for us. We can simply be thankful for the things that God does and try to understand them the best we can, but we can't force God's hand on anything. But sometimes we're tempted to think we can. 
Sometimes we're tempted to think that we can make God do something if we just set things up just right. Then God will have to act. And the last temptation is one that I think is probably the hardest. And at first it seems like it wouldn't be. The temptation is, serve me instead. Worship me instead of God, and you can have all of the power in the world. You can rule over all the people. Make all the changes you want. And the response is, worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. Unlike Adam, Jesus was ready for temptation. But how often are we ready for that same type of temptation? Now, I have never been led up to a high mountain offered all the countries in the world. But how often are we tempted to take credit for that that God has done? How often do we want to build ourselves up when we know that we need to be honoring God? If we share in the abundance that God has given us, how often do we talk about something good that we did with the money that was ours? How often do we talk about how much we give and how much we do without ever stopping to say, this is what God has given me so that I can honor God by giving, that I can honor God by doing. That God put me in somebody else's life so that I could help them for God's glory. Too often we are tempted to give ourselves all the credit and all the glory. To give ourselves a little bit of power. Even worse, sometimes we hinge gratitude and people being grateful and praising us as a prerequisite for our being able to share in what God has given us. And we start edging a little bit closer to the bow down and worship me if you want any help. And it's hard. It's hard because we like to be recognized for the things we've done. But we often look for the recognition, recognition in the wrong place. That instead of going, you know what, I want God to be happy with what I've done. I want God to be proud of me. I want God to help me so that I can do even more, so that more people will know God's love. We start thinking about what it would mean to us and how great it would be for other people to recognize us and recognize what we have done. And so I see it often with the expression I hear about, we are here to save souls. I am here to lead people to Jesus Christ because He saves souls. Too often we let ourselves take on that role and say, well, I brought these people in and I introduced them to Christ and I saved their soul.
and we start trying to climb up there in that temptation to place ourselves well above where we're at. I've never saved a soul in my life. I don't have that kind of power. But I have tried to introduce people to the Savior that gives me hope and gives me life with the hope and the prayer that He will save souls. Thankful for all that I have been given so that I have something that I can share that I can give to others. Thankful that God has given me enough that I can help. Too often we want the credit for things that we haven't done. And that's the temptation that we face. That we are so ready to distance ourselves from Adam by saying that we are so much better because we are set free. And at the same time, we distance ourselves from Christ by saying that we are doing everything that Christ is doing in our lives. Too often, we don't want to take responsibility for our actions when it means that we've done something wrong and too ready to take responsibility for things that were never in our control. Because the temptation is to build ourselves up so that we are closer and closer to God instead of humbling ourselves so that we can serve others. Too often we take on God's role in the judgment seat. We decide we will be the gatekeepers of who is in and who is out, who is welcome and who is not. Who is good and who is not. Who is worthy and who is not. When asked what the two greatest commandments are, Christ said, love God with your whole being. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And everything rests on these. And if the core of what we're doing doesn't go back to one of those two, then we're not getting it right. I'm not here so that you can tell me that I'm doing a good job. Though I appreciate it, I know that I'm here because I followed God's call. And I'm here to serve. Because all I want to do is help. Not that you'll do what I say because I say it. Not that you will follow me because I'm leading you somewhere. But to be a signpost to point to Christ. that who I am is rather unimportant. What I believe is also not terribly important in the long run of things, because it's who I believe in and who I serve, and how I love the way that I am loved. I'm here today to share that love with you so that you can be ready. I don't want credit for it because I want to be ready. 
that when we face temptation and we face those things that draw us away from God, that we turn away and say, nope. The Lord is my shepherd, and where he goes, I go. Who he wants me to love, I will love. Who he wants me to serve, I will serve. What he wants me to share, I will share. Who he needs me to be, I will be. Not to glorify myself, but to glorify God so that others may see God, and others may find God, and others may find the love and the peace that I hold so dear. Because that, to me, is more important than any praise that can be put on me so that others find the peace and the joy and the hope that I know in a Savior who put on flesh like my flesh, felt pain like my pain, and humbled himself so that I would truly know what humility is. Served so I would understand how to serve, and love so that I would know how to love. We resist the temptation to focus on self by focusing on God. That we don't seek to be more in control of God, but we seek simply to serve. To love the people that God loves and care about the people that God cares about and help the people that God asks us to help. And we do all we can. As we remember a Savior who died to set us free, let us remember the example He gave us of humility and grace and love so that we too can be ready. Ready to resist temptation and ready to serve and ready to do all we can whenever and wherever God calls us. That in this season of Lent, we prepare ourselves to know Christ and to share Christ in all that we are and all that we do. Amen.